0: Happy Easter. Come on in, find a good spot to sit if you're at home. Greetings. My name is Mark Mullery. I get to serve as one of the elders here and I get to bring the sermon to us this morning. Appreciated the picture that we saw in the baptism of death and resurrection and then Sarah's testimony speaking to us that to be a disciple is to trust in the Life and Death and Resurrection of Jesus. And this is a sermon that's going to be building on that. Prior to two churches combining last May, at Redeeming Grace, we'd been on Easter kind of working our way through 1 Corinthians 15. Because 1 Corinthians 15 is the, the resurrection chapter. It's the longest discussion of resurrection in the Bible. And so we're returning there today. 1 Corinthians 15 starts with the case for Jesus being raised from the dead and it moves on to the case for Christians being raised from the dead as well and that's kind of the section that we come to today. The real question before us today is what happens when you die? What will the afterlife be like? And the, the focus here in this passage is what will the afterlife be like for Jesus's disciples? What kind of bodies will Jesus's people have when they're raised from the dead. Now, I know there's a big assumption in here, and that is that Jesus rose from the dead. We're not addressing that today. There are a couple of articles out at the Welcome Center, and they'll be available on the email follow-up as well. If you'd like some information and sort of a starter on that, you could also come to the Christianity Explored class to learn more about why we believe it's not only reasonable, but wise to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So this morning, we're in 1 Corinthians 15, and our passage begins in verse 35 and travels through verse 49, and Sarah Aaron is going to read the passage for us. Prepare your hearts for God's word. 1
1: Corinthians fifteen thirty-five through 49. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps some of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each his kind of seed its own body. Not all, for not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory for the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust the second man is from heaven as was the man of dust so also are those who are of the dust and is and as is the man of heaven so also are those who are of heaven just as we have borne the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven
0: thank you sarah let's pray oh god how can we know what happens When we die, how can we know what happens when it hasn't happened yet? You're the God who is the eternal God. You exist outside time and space. You know all things. And we pray that you would open our eyes and let there be light that we might understand the nature and the hope of the resurrection for all your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, the question for us this morning is what happens to people when they die? Now, some people don't like to think about this. It's kind of a downer. Death has become sort of the great unmentionable in our culture. Um, We don't see dead people. We don't tend to think about death or talk about death very much. One guy said, it's not that I'm afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. And that's kind of common for, I think, the way a lot of people approach it today. And, and of course, there's mystery here, isn't there? Whether there's an afterlife or not is something that scientists can't study. You can't go online and book a tour there and come back to talk about it. We may not all agree about what happens when you die, but there is one thing we can all agree about, and that is this. We are all going to die. Right, Sorry for the bad news at church on Easter Sunday, but the death rate is 100%. We know this to be the case. The uh, Pearls Before Swine comic strip that I enjoy uh, kind of got this this way. Here's a birthday card that Rat has given to Goat. So the card goes like this. You're born. You get on average 77 years to live until you buy the great dirt farm. Today, you moved one step closer to the dirt farm. Happy birthday. (laughs) Goat says, I've gotten better birthday cards. And Rat says, sure, but mine are realistic. (laughs) So, there you go. We are all going to die. And the reality is, if you look around the world, lots of people believe in life after death. In fact, I think... It would be fair to say most people around the world believe there's some kind of life after death. I wonder why that is. I wonder if there is some sense that we were made for eternity embedded in the heart and mind of each person. Our passage of scripture starts with a question about life after death. And that's helpful because we have questions about this, don't we? See, the message of Christianity is that lots of people have lived and died, but only one has died and lived to never die again, and that's Jesus. Jesus predicted this about himself. He came back and verified it after he rose, and he promised to return from heaven one day, and that's when he will outfit his people with a new body, perfectly suited for eternity in a new creation. Knowing this can be a source of great comfort, great encouragement, great hope, and great strength right here and now. So I want to give you the main idea of what's going on in this passage, and then we're going to unpack it. But here's the main idea. When you die, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's the main idea. When you die you'll be like a seed becoming a plant, okay? When you die, you'll be like a seed becoming a plant. So what we're gonna talk about then is what you need to leave behind, why the new you will be a better you, and how Jesus makes this possible, all right? So the first thing we we see in this passage is that you need to leave something behind. Here's the question in verse 35, verse 35, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? The answer is, you foolish person, what you sow, there's that seed, does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. So here's what's going on. People in church have questions about the afterlife. These people, are they're all new at Christianity, They're trying to sort things out, and that includes trying to understand what happens to people and to fellow Christians after they die. What they were learning about God's kingdom was very different from the culture they lived in and what they'd grown up believing. In fact, it's likely that this group of people in the city of Corinth in in, in Greece, they probably believed that there was an afterlife, but that afterlife was glorious and in the heavenly realm, and it was so glorious that nothing embodied, nothing physical could exist there. Those were incompatible. The idea of being in this glorious realm and being embodied were, were incompatible. And so Paul's, Paul's got some work to do. He's got to teach them and, and help them understand the, the nature of the kingdom of God and what the new creation will be like. And so being a good teacher, he does what good teachers do. He starts with something that they know, in order to help them understand something that they don't know. So you know what he starts with? He starts with gardening. Isn't that great, it's spring. Lots of people are out gardening right now. Things are blooming and growing and and planting. And so what he says is, I want you to think about seeds and how seeds become plants. And so I have a packet of seeds here. Leslie, my wife's out planting seeds this time of year. So here are zinnia seeds and here are pea seeds to get sweet snow peas. And so the idea is if you want these zinnia flowers, you know what to do, right? You put the seeds in the ground, you plant them, you water them, you put them in a good spot. If you want peas, you got to put the the seed in the ground in order to get the plant. But when you have the plant, think about it, where's the seed? It's gone. You don't have the seed anymore. The seed dies, if you will, in order to become the plant. The seed is transformed or transitions into becoming a plant. So what Paul is saying is, listen, when you die, you'll be like a seed becoming a plant. The body that you live in right now You know what that is? That's the seed. Okay? The resurrection body that you'll have when Jesus comes back, that's the plant. You can't have both. When Leslie and I and our kids moved here in 1999 from California, we really liked the house that we lived in in California. But we couldn't bring it with us When we moved here, it didn't fit in our van. We had to leave that house behind in order to make the journey to get here. And it worked out because we got a new house to move into here. Well, this is how it works. If you want to take the journey to the new creation to be with Christ, you have to leave something behind. And that's this body that you live in now. Second step, though, is you'll get a new body. And the new you will be a better you. That's right, amen. (laughs) So we're trying to get a glimpse of something that none of us has seen or experienced. And so Paul's giving us this analogy here to help us understand when you die, you go from being a seed to becoming this plant. In other words, you'll have a whole new kind of body. And he's, he's trying to think, okay, how do I explain this to him? How can I tease this out a little more? And he's got his eyes open and he points us to what we can all see. Sort of look around the world. There's all kinds of, a, a variety of bodies, right? There's human bodies. That's, that's one kind. Labrador retrievers, say, have another kind of body. Birds like those bright red cardinals, that's one kind of body. Rainbow trout have another kind of body. And then he kind of shifts and looks up and says, hey, stars, sun, moon. So we might think, have you ever seen a full moon, a blazing sunset, a shooting star, and been left with that sort of that sense of awe and wonder? Well, here's the idea. If God the creator could make this vast array of bodies, all these different kinds of animals, and if he could not only make heavenly bodies, earthly bodies, but also heavenly bodies, stars and the sun and the moon, if he can do all that, don't you think he could make one more body, a new kind, a resurrection body, a body that would be perfectly suited and outfitted for eternity in a new creation. That body won't just be a spruced up version of the one that you have right now. It will be a whole new, massively improved body. And then he rattles through four improvements this new body will have. He says in verse 42, he says, look, what is sown is perishable and what is raised is imperishable. What does that mean? Sown, there's that seed going in the ground, perishable, raised, there's that plant coming out, imperishable. Think about that. You, you know what it means to be perishable, right? You know what perishables are? It's that sliced ham that got stuck in the back of the drawer in the refrigerator for too many months and now it's green and smelly. That's Perishable. Actually, that's perished. <laughs> this body that you're in is perishable. Whether we live to 20 or 100, sooner or later, we end up back in the ground, in the dirt farm, returning to dust. But for the follower of Christ, that's not the end because there's a resurrection to an imperishable Body. Immortal. Deathless. Never decaying. No high blood pressure. No pimples. No cancer. None of that. Gone forever. Sown perishable. Raised imperishable. Sown in dishonor. That's where we are now. Raised in glory. Shame and guilt gone. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sin and sickness, gone. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. Death, gone. That's what's coming. And what we need isn't a little patching and painting. I was thinking about when our kids were little, we'd outgrown the car we were in and we needed a a bigger car. We didn't have very much money, so I was really hunting around trying to find a good deal. I found a deal. It seemed like it was too good to be true, but I went and looked at this car and the car first appearance, it looked great. And when I looked under the hood and started looking around a little more, I realized this car has all kinds of new paint on it and new parts here and there. And when I asked to look at the title, you know what I discovered? The title said salvage. The car had been wrecked. And somebody was patching it up and painting it and presenting it as a new car. But it wasn't a new car. It was a wrecked car with a little patching and painting. The bodies that we need for the new creation, we need more than just a resuscitation of this old body. We need a glorious new one, and that's what Jesus rose to provide to his people. When you die, you'll be like a seed becoming a plant, and that new body will be so much better than the body that you're in now. You cannot imagine how much better it will be. You can't, we're not able to comprehend it, but one day we will live it. So there's something to leave behind, the seed becoming a plant. The seed is gone. The new plant comes. How is this possible? Well, Jesus makes this possible. Verse 45 lays this out for us. He says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, Became a living being. The second, the last Adam, became a life giving spirit. It's not the spiritual first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. So, what he's saying is if you're going to understand anything about how the resurrection of our bodies comes about, you have to understand who Jesus is. And we really have to remember what's already happened in this chapter. This chapter doesn't start with us and what happens to us when we die. It starts with what happened to Jesus. And it starts really with the heart of Christianity. There's There's no more clear and powerful summary of the gospel than in verses 3 and 4 of this chapter. I want you to hear them again, and I want you to hear them in in terms of, keep in mind the, the, the vital nature of the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, For I delivered to you, church, as of first importance, first importance, the most important thing, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, It was predicted that he was buried, Good Friday, that he was raised on the third day, Easter Sunday, in accordance with the scriptures. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? I hope there are doubters and skeptics here. You are welcome in this place. I hope you'll keep coming back. I hope you'll check out Christianity Explored. I hope you'll reach out, and I'd love to chat with anyone about any of this. And I want you to remember as we read this, the author, he was a skeptic. He was a doubter. He didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead and he was actively suppressing the, the, the Christian church. But he was transformed by the experience of the risen Jesus coming to him personally, appearing to him, speaking to him, and commissioning him to do what he's now Doing That was a game changer for Paul. And as you've heard from Vanessa and from Sarah, God is still making his son known to people and transforming and changing lives today. And now this one-time skeptic is arguing that Jesus is alive and that his resurrection gives us hope for ours. And so what he does in this little section here is he takes this seed-to-plant analogy and he tweaks it a little bit. See, what he's been doing is he's been talking about transformation, right? You start with the seed, you move to the plant, the seed's gone, now you have the plant. So one thing's transformed into another. Well, he's going to keep the seed-plant analogy, but he's going he's to rework it a little bit, and now you know what he's going to focus on? He's going to focus on the sequence. First you have this, then you have that. If you're growing a garden, first you have seeds, then hopefully, then you have plants, right? So there's a sequence to it. And so he says that sequence shows up in two people, Adam and Jesus. Again, Adam, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. So there's this sequence to these two people. Now what he's doing here is exactly what we're doing as we're going through this series in Genesis. He's he's saying if you wanna understand who we are as human beings, who we are now and what our future will be, we have to go back to the beginning to understand our origins and then work to Jesus. That's why we're in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. We've got five messages left in that series. I hope you'll come back for the rest of that series. So what he's saying here is if you wanna understand what it means to be a human, and what our hope is later, you have to understand that we've been made in God's image, male and female. God is our creator. And he actually quotes Genesis 2-7 right here in what I just read. And what he's teaching us is vital. What he's saying here is Adam isn't just a myth. This isn't just a made-up story. Adam is actually the first human being. And he's he's not just first in line, but in some sense, he's a representative, sort of the prototype for all following human beings. And And Adam and Eve, we will read this story when we get to Genesis 3 in a couple of weeks. They opted out from living under God's authority and by his word. They were unwilling to live under the reign of God as their king and live by his word for their lives. And when they did that, they ushered into our world all this dishonor, weakness, death and sin that we've been hearing about and that we experience every day. And the reality is we are just like them. Every time we reject God's rule and ignore his words, we're acting like Adam and like Eve. When I get angry at that driver who cut me off on the beltway, when I worry about having enough money for retirement, when I covet someone's car or I'm envious of someone else's family, I'm doing the same thing Adam did. I'm moving out from under God's rule I'm ignoring his word. What we need in this rescue project isn't self-improvement because we can never make ourselves good enough to repair the damage that we've done and to pay the consequences for what we've caused. What we need is a second Adam, a new leader to give us a fresh start Adam brought ruin and death into the world. Jesus comes, did you hear what it says? Jesus comes as the life-giving spirit, a man from heaven. Adam received life and then brought death into the world. Jesus comes to give eternal life and to take the consequences of that sin and, and death on Adam's part. When Jesus rose from the dead, the new creation got started. The new creation has already begun. You can see it in the glorious, powerful, immortal body Jesus Christ rose in on Easter morning. When he rose on Easter morning, it wasn't just a resuscitation of that body that perished on Friday afternoon. When he rose, he rose in a new and glorified body and he is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. He's the firstborn of the new creation. He's the man from heaven. And when he returns from heaven, where is he now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he will return from heaven. And when he does, he will bring banishing to all evil and all evildoers. He will bring judgment to all who will not follow him. He will banish forever evil and dishonor and sin and death. And he will make all things new and he will invite to come with him all his followers. And then we will bear his image fully. That's the promise at the end of the passage. Just as we have borne the image of the man of Dust. We bear that image now, made from the dust of the earth and walking around in the 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 life, but weakness and, 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 and faultiness that we experience right now. But one day we shall bear the image of the man of heaven fully. The image of Christ is already being formed in the character the hearts and minds and thinking of all his people. But one day, that character will be perfected and the new body will be like his body as well. If you're a Christian, when you die, you'll be like a seed becoming a plant. So let's try to put all this together. I have a degree in forestry. Mom and dad, if you're watching, I just want you to know that degree is paying dividends right now. I love trees. You know I had to work a tree into this somehow, right? What you see there are seeds for redwood trees, biggest trees on earth. You look at those seeds. They're not very impressive, are they? In fact, these, these pea seeds that I have here, they're bigger than those redwood tree seeds. You could never predict from looking at those seeds their potential. But those seeds will give way to redwood trees. Spectacular, glorious trees. You have to go to Northern California and see coast redwood trees someday. Put that on your bucket list. I have had the privilege of seeing trees like this, studying trees like this, and I have never one time heard anybody looking at those trees say, I feel really bad for the seed what happened to that poor seed? I've never heard anybody say, you know, I'd really rather have a redwood seed than a redwood tree. Right now, you are the seed. But this life, this body is not the main event. Hear me. You were made for eternity. You were made for more than this. If you hunger and thirst and long for something that lasts, something that's glorious, something that's perfect, something that's just, something that's right, the reason for that is that you were made in the image of God and you were made to hunger and thirst to be with Christ in a new creation forever. You were made to be remade into his glorious image. The question this morning is, Where do you stand with Jesus today? Not every seed becomes a plant. They don't all make it. Some never fulfill their design. Some never reach their potential. Human beings are made for more than this world. More than the parties and the friends and the vacations and the work and the houses and all that stuff, we're made for so much more than this. That restlessness that's in your heart for something greater, something transcendent, that's a restlessness that won't be satisfied until Christ takes that place in your heart. You were made for something glorious and spiritual and eternal. And whoever repents and follows the man from heaven, Jesus Christ, will surely be welcomed by him when he returns to bring us home. Oh, this Easter Sunday, watching from home, sitting here this morning, won't you come with him? Won't you come with us? And church, knowing what's coming, Knowing this resurrection body that's prepared that Christ, the man from heaven, will return and set up his kingdom in a new creation, this isn't just something for then. This is a source of great comfort and help now. Here's the last thing Paul says at the end of this chapter. Here's what this does for us today. Therefore, my beloved brothers, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters at Redeeming Grace Church, be steadfast, immovable,